Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and good evening. This is Joelle, and I'm the Vibrarian, and this evening is another episode of the Psychic Inside Show. I'm here on Tuesdays on the Vibrary Collective Network, which is hosted on Blog Talk Radio. I love having these conversations. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? I'm like this every week because I get to talk to people about their journeys discovering psychic gifts and abilities. And let me tell you the things that I have learned from people about what it can look like to come into your gifts are truly amazing, sometimes scary, sometimes heart-wrenching, but it's just beautiful to be able to share these. I believe that everyone is psychic. You just may not recognize it. And my hope is that by sharing these stories, we will have an opportunity for you to see something that might be familiar and learn that you, too, uh, might be part of this psychic life. You know, we all are. So we're in this awakening place, and the language that we use is changing. And, of course, at one point in time, the word psychic was a little bit woo-woo for some people. So we're here out having these conversations in an effort to show that it's really not that different from who you thought you were before that label was applied to you. Now, I'm here, and you can reach this show and come on the air to ask questions at 646-787-8436. If you're in the caller queue and you want to contribute or ask a question, press the hashtag or pound sign in the one key, and that lets me know that you want to come on the air. Now, today we're not having any psychic readings on this show, so if you're holding for that, you know, just wanted to give you a heads up, but we are certainly here to have an enlightening conversation with my guest this evening. Connect with me on Instagram and Facebook and what I like to call the Good Vibe Tribe, and my handle is at the Vibrarian. That's T-H-E-V-I-B-E-R-A-R-I-A-N. And I am on all the forums, and of course, these episodes will reach you through iTunes, Amazon Music. Uh, We're out there on all the places where you can subscribe to listing content. And so I invite you to listen to these, and also you can check out the archive on the Vibrary YouTube channel. So, you know, without any further delay, let me get into this evening's guest. I am a person that believes that, of course, birds of a feather flock together, your vibe attracts your tribe. So when people that I meet that I think highly of tell me that I need to meet somebody that they think highly of, I go about doing that because I trust the vibration and frequency has probably got something aligned with that connection and so on and so forth, the energy keeps expanding. So my circle is being expanded this evening because my guest was referred to me by a previous person on this show, uh, Leah the Sunstar. Awesome. You can catch her episode on the Vibrary YouTube channel as well. Beautiful sister. So she recommended, she said, you know, you really need to talk with this sister that I work with. Her name is Essence Turner. And she just gave me this, all these wonderful people to talk with, and I'm so delighted this evening to have Essence Turner, who is the CEO of Beautiful Happy Goddess. First of all, I love the name, and Essence, welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. 
Hi, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm very happy to have you. And how can a person not smile when they read Beautiful Happy Goddess? I mean, that is such a beautiful name, and it seems to embody your energy. Now, I am telling our listeners that I don't know you. This is our first conversation. And so through this evening, I'm glad that you've agreed to share a little bit about who you are so that I can get to know you and others can get to know you as well. So being that this is the Psychic Inside Show, do you resonate with the word psychic? I do. Yeah. Have you always resonated with that word? Uh, No, no, (laughs) Um, not always. Um, And it's still honestly a work in progress because of certain things I attach to being psychic, like you've got to know how to read tarot or, you know, (laughs) <laughs> mm. Okay, so it's become a defined thing that you're like, well, I don't do that. But you do, like, all kinds of work uh, that I'm sure, you know, we're going to get into here in a minute because, like, you've got so many different areas that I'm finding fascinating. But in terms of your own particular gifts, can you describe what has manifested for you in terms of what we would call psychic or extrasensory abilities? Yeah, I, I I honestly resonate with being a healer. Like, I feel as though I've been a healer in so many lifetimes. And um, and being psychic just is a – it manifests through, let's say, being in session with someone and just knowing exactly what to say, exactly what they need, being able to see something that's holding them back that they can't see, and um, and it just really amplifies the emotional healing work that I do. So you have, would you say that would be like claircognizance if you were describing it in the language of clairs? Yeah, definitely. Um, clairsentient, like I can, mm-hmm. that would probably be the strongest. It's like I'm able to feel something and then interpret it into words or a vision. Um, I'm often, I feel something and I can interpret it into like a metaphor for my clients. It might be a crazy metaphor, but like, mm-hmm. they, they, they get it. <laughs> I can relate to that. Sometimes the images okay. that we receive are really, you know, and it's like I don't have any other way to share share to share you the image that I'm seeing, but uh, it does put a little levity into the work, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, so I'll, yeah, I would definitely say that the that's the strongest one. So, and you said that you consider yourself a healer. So I, I, I always have to. Well, I don't have to, but I assume that that means that you yourself have done a great deal of healing yourself. Is that safe to say? Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely, like. So much healing over the last seven years. I and I continue to heal. I it's I'm very passionate about healing myself because the more I feel like the more that I am a clear channel and like removing my own blocks, the the 
the more of a clear, open space I am for my clients and anything that needs to come through me can come through me and it's not blocked by any of my wounds and places that I'm scared to go to. Mm-hmm. That's so good because, you know, a lot of people skip over <laughs> their own <laughs> healing journey, right, and begin to yes. uh, try to work with people from an area of what you say, like book knowledge instead of practical awareness, right? So backing up into, like, your story, and, like, I know you had things then that you were healing from. Were any of the things that you worked through related to being different or your abilities and empathy and clairsentience and things that you experienced, did those things cause you wounds uh, as you were younger when you were discovering yourself? Mm, No, I wouldn't say that those were the the wounds. Um, it had a lot to do, with, and, and I can go into what my specific wounds were that then, you know, I wanted to heal, which led me to really recognize that my gifts, um, you know, the healing actually opened up that space for my gifts to manifest. Um, okay. But in childhood, in childhood, I didn't really share what was coming up for me psychically and intuitively. I just kind of held that stuff in. Um, mm-hmm. to myself. <laughs> okay, so when you were a little grade school essence running around school, what mm-hmm. were you, like, how did you first realize that what you were seeing or experiencing was something that you might want to keep to yourself? So um, I knew, so I had an imaginary friend, and um, and I talked to, his name was Bimbo. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I talked to Bimbo all the time, and that my mom never made me feel like that was weird or off. Um, so so that was wonderful. But I can remember um, I can remember laying in the bed. I spent a lot of time in my room just because that was like my favorite place. And I can remember laying in the bed, having this thought that if I touch somebody's hand, I know stuff about them. Like, I literally remember thinking that, and I mm-hmm. thought that I would grow up um, and be a psychiatrist. Like, I, I just saw myself um, mm. talking talking to people laying on the couch. So that mm-hmm. is just kind of I, – I kept that to myself, but that's just in the back of my head. I, I thought that that would be my path. Now, I wasn't just talking and listening to people as a kid because I was actually quite shy but it was just, I don't know, I can just remember touching people's hands, and I didn't know if what came to me was true, but I just I, I just assumed that it was. Mm. And then an, another thing that um, is interesting to look back on is I can remember being between five and ten years old, and there was, my mom was pretty uh, overprotective. I was the only child. And there would be things that I would want to do or to have. And she was very strict. I don't know if I just said that, but she was also very strict. <laughs> and, um, and so there, and I heard the word no a lot. And so, mm-hmm. but I knew that, like, I, I would talk to God and say to God what I wanted to have or where I wanted to go. And I would close my eyes. And I knew if I could see myself, let's say, at the birthday party 
or having that toy at Christmas that my mom was going to say yes. But if I Mm -hmm. closed my eyes and I could not see it, then I knew my mom was going to say no. Mm. So you nobody ever taught me that. Mm -hmm. You developed a trust in this little sense then at a very young age. Yes. Yeah, and then I lost it. (laughs) Oh, I was just saying, were you able to maintain that, or did did you? (laughs) Then you. Can you, were there any specific things that caused you to start doubting, or was it just kind of growing and becoming part of school-age development and things like that, or was it something specific? No, it was, I think, just um, becoming more involved in school and friends and just getting caught up in the quote-unquote real world and spending less time in my mind, I mean, you know, in my imagination. Um, I think is actually what started the disconnect. Mm. And were you disconnected for a long time, or like when did you begin to reconnect with this? Because I'm assuming then you were shaking hands and touching people's hands and not necessarily then having the conversations that you had been having before. Had you kind of blocked that communication out, or were you still processing it and just being – filing it away? No, I, I think I, I, I blocked it out. Um, and I think I actually started to disconnect from God, like not have that same relationship with God that I had. And it never came from church. I mean, I went to church mm-hmm. with my grandmother or my aunt here and there. It was just something like personal that just started at, in childhood. But I think at, with like life disappointments, meaning things that I wanted and didn't get to have, and even not just with my mom, but, like, in school and not being chosen for certain things, and I think I began to, like, blame God, and I started to disconnect. Hmm. So through a through a reject feeling of being, like, a rejection, like, rejected and mm-hmm. then rejecting backwards. Hmm. Absolutely, yes. And that is actually, you know, something that rejection wound is actually something I'm still working through. Um, And it started with abandonment issues with my dad. And I think, and, and not I think, I know that I've projected that relationship with my dad onto God. And I still mm-hmm. am peeling that back to have my own pure relationship with the divine and not project my daddy issues off onto God. Yeah, that was a deep statement there. I'm like, we could spend an hour talking about it. I'm like, ooh, you tapped into a, 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 a real thread right there. But, yeah, the abandonment and reject, wow. Okay, you know I'm going to rewind and we're going to excerpt that. Okay. <laughs> for later, for sure. So, uh, so. By this time, you're like what, like uh, late teens or later? Like, when did you begin to reconnect with your own abilities and through your abilities that connection to God? So, then growing up, going into my teenage years, into my early twenties, like I, I started drinking. Really, I started drinking at a very young age, probably like fifteen, just from. Um, 
self-consciousness and insecurities. I was like drink to fit in. And so I ended up kind of going down a dark path, which we could talk about if you want. Um, I started going down this dark path throughout my 20s. And then um, right around my early 30s is kind of when I just reached this place where I was like, God, if this is my life, then I don't want to live anymore. Like, I don't want to live this life that I've been living. And um, I had took a massage therapy training course. So I was familiar with, like, holistic ways, but I didn't dive Mm -hmm. deep into it. So when I came to that place of, um, you know, just, like, not wanting to be here, if that was going to be my life, I – something clicked and remembered like self-help stuff. So then I started kind of going on like a self-help journey. I would go to Barnes and Nobles and just sit Mm -hmm. in a corner and read books. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I wanted to meet more people who were in this, um, in the, in the same place of wanting to develop themselves, become a better version of themselves. And so a friend recommended this meetup group, in Atlanta called, um, in, like, I think it was called Develop You. It was an intuitive development group. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided to go with her one day. And then it was just, like, the most amazing thing there, this this group of people um, connecting to spirit. And we would sit in the circle. That's what it was. It was like a spirit circle. And we would sit in the mm-hmm. circle and we would get connected. And then we might a person might be like, I have a message for you in the red shirt. And then you just share what you what you mm-hmm. get. And for a long time, I didn't get anything, but I just mm-hmm. enjoyed being in that room, and then the messages started to come. Okay. And I will tell you, from the very beginning, people would message, like have a message for me and say, you're supposed to be helping people. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, who, me? <laughs> you know? like, do you know who I was in my 20s and what I did? No, I should not be helping people. And so I was just kind of like, shoot it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as the messages started to come and, and then they started to resonate with people and that relationship with spirit started to develop again, and then I opened up to the possibility that maybe I am supposed to help people. Mm. I, I have this sense of when you were saying you weren't, you know, giving the readings, I had a feeling that you were probably receiving a lot, <laughs> a lot in the yes. circle. You know, that tends to be how it is. Like we, we come, we think we're there for something else, and then it's like we're ministered to <laughs> through a mm-hmm. Reiki share or a circle share or something, and it's like, I didn't even know how much I needed that. <laughs> I needed that. So it seems like it was a very supportive circle for you to step into. But this was like art. You'd already kind of moved through your dark night of the soul era into a space of approaching your recovery before you got to this circle, right? Well, I was kind of still in it. It was like I was mm-hmm. just beginning and like made certain commitments to myself to not go backward mm-hmm. and um and this group actually helped me to keep my commitments to myself and not go like back to my old ways. Mhm. 
and so just to keep like, moving forward. Yeah, the community. I will say that for so many people, just having a container of safety mm-hmm. where you can begin to do even your own work, not to be worked on by those others, but just for them to hold space. Uh, as people like Absolutely. to say, a popular phrase, but it's uh, popular for a reason because it really is healing to not be judged or uh, uh, by the community that you're in. And a lot of what you do now is dealing with uh, forgiveness and worthiness mm-hmm. and healing and shame healing, like I've seen from your posts and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, it seems very uh, relevant that you would be then holding space through the work that you're doing with your clients, although you're doing active work. The beginning of that is holding space of, to be heard without judgment for people. Yep. Absolutely. That's, like, the most important piece. Sometimes, like, I don't I don't even have to go deeper than that. Let's just say, like, I mean, we do end up going deeper than that, but I'm often blown away just in one of the first sessions where I just have them tell me what's going on and what's happening in their life, and they just get to open up and share, and I'm mm-hmm. just holding that unconditional support for them it's like the tears and the healing and they're like this was so amazing I'm like I didn't even do anything (laughs) but that container that space holding and I do feel like I just have a magical gift for space holding um it's just it's everything I think it's a huge part in the healing process in which people don't really get and understand and I made a post yesterday of like that's one of the reasons why a lot of people can't heal on their own and been working on the same things over and over again on their own because of that that how important that being held in a non-judgmental space is it's so important to heal and especially inner child wounds oh yes that's the tender heart of it right (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah because she just wants to be heard and seen in a way that she wasn't, you know, in 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 her trauma, in, in the childhood. And so just you doing it by yourself is not the same thing as somebody else witnessing your inner child. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about at one point seeing yourself as a child, like to be a psychiatrist or a therapist in the traditional sense. When you pursued your career, the first, you know, I don't know if you had, did you have a first career before you moved into uh, <laughs> the healing work? So many of us have first careers, you know. Did you have one, and was it therapy related? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so <laughs> this is cracking me up. Okay, so first, after high school, I went to the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to I went to the Air Force. I was there for about six months, and I got an uncharacterized discharge. Thank goodness. Uh, and then I ended up getting into. I, I went back home. Then I got into an unhealthy relationship, and then I, I was in that for almost two years. And then I just decided I needed to get away. That was in Michigan. And I moved to Atlanta like there we needed 
space, that much space for us to not be together. And then I got to Atlanta. You know, Atlanta's like the party city. I'm partying. I'm spending up all my savings. And then I didn't have rent one month. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, if if I can't figure this out, then I'm going to have to go home. And if I go home, I got to be with him. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh. And so my friend was like, let's let's start dancing. Yeah, right. So yeah, that's what I did. So I said, okay. And uh, we started, um, she actually chickened out, but I had no choice because I was living on my own and I went through with it and I started dancing and to be specific for those uh, stripping and yeah. And I I was actually there for uh, almost ten years being mm-hmm. being in in the club. I felt like I just lived in underworld for almost ten years. And so that so at the end of that is when like I started the healing and started the self help work. Mm-hmm. So that was my first career. The answer. <laughs> okay. Well, it's so interesting because you're in the environment of like, well, you're empowering yourself by trying, you know, earning your income and using your assets and your femininity, right, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, to earn your living. But maintaining like a sense of health in that environment, there is a lot of things going on contextually where not, uh, not everybody's health or happy, and there's a lot of wounded dynamics happening in there, that's not, that's the same with any other profession to a degree. Uh, You know, I'm a very sex positive, sex work positive person. But uh, when you are beginning to operate in places, let me tell you, I've been in law firms and there's a lot of wounded people in the legal environment too. You know, there's a lot of people processing Mm -hmm. ego wounds in the law firms. So in certain environments, there's certain wounds of power and uh, esteem that are drawn to particular professions. So when you were there, were you aware of, like, your wounded sisters and brothers, or were you just, like, trying to be successful in your career aspect? Mm, yeah, no, I don't think that I was aware to uh, people's wounding while I was mm-hmm. there. I pretty much knew that my daddy issues brought me there, Um what you said about that sense of empowerment and being, you know, in your feminine energy, that absolutely was there and was there for a while, and it felt really good because I had worked ever since I was about 15. I think my first job was at, like, McDonald's, and I worked at Denny's, and then um, I was also a nurse aide for a while, and So I'd work. And so to be in this environment where I get to set my own hours and I get to make more money than, you know, in a day Mm -hmm. that, you know, like I would make in a week. And so um, that was very empowering. But I think there also came a time when my soul wanted out Mm -hmm. and it felt like I couldn't get out. And I think that's when it began to be, toxic. And so I didn't necessarily have the resilience then that I had 
now. So, for instance, I told you I, I, I took the massage therapy school. So I, I did that. I was like, okay, this is a way out. And I went through that six months, paid for it, and then I started interning with someone, and then she didn't hire me. And so it's like I let that be a kick to my ego, like nobody wants me. And so then I went back to the club. I Mm. I took bartending certification. I got hired Mm -hmm. at a place. Then then they fired the bar manager, and uh, they weren't hiring anybody that she hired. Mm -hmm. So then I'm Mm -hmm. back. So it was just – it was just like I just kept getting knocked down, and then I finally decided to just stay down and was like, this is just where I'm meant to be and who I'm meant to be. And so then I started drinking more, and it just became just very toxic, and I was just stuck in that place for a few years. And then I got to the other side, which is I'm like, God, I'm ready to get out of here. I don't care what this looks like but I need to go, and I ended up getting a bartender job, and I was only making, like, $50 a day, and I was like, I don't care. You can take my house, mm-hmm. my car. Like, I'm not going back, and my car did get repoed. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, but the the place did, the um, the bar that I was working at did end up picking up it where, to where I was able to start sustaining and taking care of myself, and then I didn't look back on the club, but I was still in a place where I could drink, and mm-hmm. still having this toxic relationship with alcohol. And so then the next place for me was like, okay, I'm going to still, you know, bartend waitress, but I need to be in like a family restaurant where it's not so heavily focused on alcohol. Then it mm-hmm. got to the place where I'm just like, I just want to be out of this whole environment and a way, a way was made. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was, that was the path. And so, getting to this place where I just was like, I don't want to live if I kept, if I have to basically like feel like I got to be sexy to make money. If I feel like I got to drink to do it, then Mm -hmm. this is just not the the path for me. And, um, and then that, at that point, that's when I started my self-help and healing journey. Mm -hmm. And so when I was at that intuitive development group, one of the pers- people there working on their psychic abilities told me that I was supposed to be a radical forgiveness coach. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> Had you heard of that before? Never heard of it at all, but I was just, I was so in this place of seeking and just being open to my next step that um, I, I listened and then I, I went home and I I Googled it and I watched some YouTube videos of people like reviewing the book. And then I decided to order the book. And then from reading the book, when I first opened the book, he says something like um, his mission is to raise the consciousness of the planet through forgiveness. And something in my gut went, oh, like Mm. I'm on this mission. (laughs) I'm on this mission with him. Like I just knew it. And then in that book, it also helped me to see how, you know, my father wounds had been playing a part in my drinking and in my toxic relationships. And it just opened up so much for me that I was like, yes, I, I want to do this program, but I'm not going to just learn this to go help other people. I want to 
help people from a and I just mm-hmm. committed to doing the work on me for however long that it took. And so then I got me a coach, and then I also just was moving through the program and doing things, um, you know, doing the healing work on myself and beginning to transform my own energy through the, the process. That is so amazing. I mean, there's so many <laughs> aspects of, you know, the the journey. Uh, backing up just a little bit, so when you were in the club environment, was it economic tethers that kept you to that as the fallback? Was the the economic stability pulled you back? Or was it other aspects in terms of validation or the lifestyle or anything like that? Okay, that's a great question. So economic, yes, but also the fact that I had low self-esteem, I had a lot of shame going on, which then created thoughts like nobody wants to hire you, you don't have any work history, So it was like just my own mindset really that kept me in there because I wasn't necessarily in the lifestyle. Um, Mm -hmm. You wouldn't, if you met me outside of there, you wouldn't know that I was a dancer. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. people in there would be like, girl, what you doing in here? You know? the 
happy, beautiful, happy goddess, right? I mean, that's like such a beautiful name, but here you are at a certain phase being very beautiful and earning money because of your beauty and that bringing in happiness, right? But, uh, you know, the toll, it sounds like, was not uh, truly the happiness by the time that journey got done. Um, As you started into your professional work as a healer, have you found yourself uh, drawing to you certain client patterns? Uh, I do want to say something because this just came up, that there was a time in the club where I did feel my magic and connection come back. Like I literally felt like God was there just like looking out. I could ask for something and it would appear like it would be, it would come through a man, but it would still just be there. Like um, I remember this one time my car there was a shooting, somebody was shooting in the parking lot and my car got shot and the bouncer told me and I was crying and I just was like, God, I don't know, even know what to do or where to take my car. And just like in five minutes, a guy was like, what's wrong? And I told him and he's like, oh, my homeboy got a body shot. Like he's going to hook you up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it was like magic was all around me and my, and like some of my close friends who I would tell these things, they were like, you're so magical. And I just kind of just, like, (laughs) brushed it off. But, like, looking back, it was, like, me being in my femininity, me dancing, being really connected with my body was, like, activating the magic. I just, like, that just came up, and it just felt really special, so I wanted to share that. (laughs) Oh, that's huge. That's huge because that's, I mean, that's one of the constant messages that I want to reinforce to people is that our frequency of being purely joyful and free inside of ourselves, whatever that looks like, if it's, you know, bouncing and twerking to a good, I tell you, God loves me when I'm in my car twerking, you know what I'm saying? But like (laughs) be in the active experience of something that you truly enjoy is it elevates our frequency and we are so much more connected, you know, and it's a different high than a drug or alcohol high, but you Mm -hmm. can definitely feel it when you're like in your just and the world disappears, right? It's not about what people are seeing you. You're just in that moment. So, of course, God exists in all kinds of circumstances, but we feel it more when we're in a happy state. So, you know, healing yourself, as you're talking about, so that you can become into that happy state, a lot of the old teachings say, well, you have to be worthy of the blessings, and you have to have cleaned up and confessed all this kind of like paradigm of uh, being outside of the frequency of God because of who you are, what you've done, and things like just dancing and realizing that, you know, I'm feeling it, I'm reconnected, I'm in my happy place, and I'm being supported when I'm in my time of need, that's very liberating to realize that that connection is there regardless of what your journey was. Yeah, and that that was, um, it was really affirming then that I was loved because I didn't, I didn't make it mean that God wasn't there because I was in the strip club. Like that, mm-hmm. that never like occur- occurred to me. I just felt like 
God was wherever I was and mm-hmm. um and that God was not judging me. So when that magic was happening, I, I was very aware that it was because of, you know, my me trusting that I was going to be safe and taken care of and then me being deeply in my body and, like, look, half the time when I was dancing, I was looking in the mirror and looking at myself, and I was just, like, right. really feeling myself. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. It's not even about you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's, I mean, so, you're looking in the mirror, like you're talking about, you looked in the mirror and you were just feeling yourself in a positive mm-hmm. way. And that is not yes. what a lot of people who even get up to brush their teeth, let alone stand on a stage naked in front of an audience. You know what I'm saying? We have a problem looking in the mirror and feeling ourselves and all of our sexy. So, uh, you know, the work that you're doing and have done through yourself on yourself and are passing on to others is so important. (laughs) Now, the radical component of the forgiveness part, like what is radical forgiveness? Okay, so what makes radical forgiveness radical is that nothing wrong ever happened. <laughs> oh, I'm delighted, right? There's no such thing as wrong, right, in the in that paradigm. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically like the whole things don't happen to you, they happen for you, for your uh, evolution and journey. Mm-hmm. And so I don't at all expect for my clients to come in believing that they can be very skeptical of that because forgiveness and, and radical forgiveness, it's a process. So in order for them to get to that more expanded, expansive view, you know, that spiritual looking, seeing things through a spiritual lens, they have to move through the pain first. Otherwise, they're just looking at their lives and what happens to them through the eyes of pain. So we process that pain, and then they're able to see how it all played out for them and how they've grown and evolved through or because of or in spite of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I, from all of the things that I've read about you, you're not just doing one modality of work with your clients. You're like a multimodal uh, person. Uh, you know, you, you're, you've got tapping, shamanic work, this radical forgiveness. Did I see human design also in your... Um... Um, no, um, I am a human design projector. I, I just touch on that a little bit with, with my clients. Um, are you familiar with human design? Uh, very little. Like I've, oh, okay. I've gotten, I think, a little profile of myself before, but I never really gotcha. got deep into the understanding how it operates. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I touch on that a little bit just because it is helpful, um, and I attract what's called projectors. I'm a projector, um, mm-hmm. and we're we're guides. We're we're meant to to guide the generators in human design, um, and so that I just. So I like to know what people's design helps me help them a little bit better. But in addition, I'm also a um, certified in Reiki, 
mm-hmm. sacred money archetype. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get to, I feel like I, I fill my tool belt and then mm-hmm. through my psychic connection, spirit is able to like use whatever tool that person needs in our different sessions. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So the the work when you what does say a typical client who approaches you? Could you describe like who they are, where they're at, and then what the work with you looks like? Yeah. So let me see. Um, so for a while, it just looked like people wanting to heal mother father wounds. Um, that was, you know, a big part of my journey, especially healing my father wound. Oh, I want to say something else magical about that. So when I started doing the radical forgiveness work and realized a lot of my issues were, you know, my, my daddy wounds, I decided to work on that for me, like finding forgiveness for me. And at that point I hadn't heard from my dad in probably about five or six years. But then once I got to a real, um, deep place of forgiveness and understanding that my journey could not have been any other way. Like my dad was just literally not meant to be a part of my journey. And Mm -hmm. some other women get to have their fathers there full time. That wasn't my, that wasn't my path. And when I really Mm -hmm. got to understand, like he did his job, he helped to bring me into this world. And then he was meant to go live, live his life. So when I really got that on a deep soul level within like three months, after five Mm. or six years, my my dad called. And at that point, he promised to never leave me again. And he explained everything to me, not that I needed it, but like it just, you know, he explained it. and, And then we ended up having a beautiful friendship for about four years and he passed away. And so... I'm very, that's been about three years now. So I'm very grateful for radical forgiveness because they gave me four years to like, get to know and become friends with my dad. And although he was a Christian, he was very supportive of the little work that I did. All he cared about was that my baby helping people. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, I think and you must so have been I, around because your phone signal started crackling and you had a little just interference. And so her dad came and said, you're talking about it. <laughs> but now you're clear again. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. You know, yeah, it's so, so interesting um, because so many people, like I'm about to be 50 and I have a couple of friends that um, really, like one is really challenged with the abandonment and father wound. And unfortunately, her father passed without there being any opportunity for conversation. Do you find that's the case a lot of times that it's kind of like a posthumous uh, reconciliation that people are coming to you to work through because that's not available for in, uh, successful in-person kind of resolution? Mm, um, yes. Okay. So I don't, so my forgiveness work is definitely not dependent on them ever needing to talk to the person that mm-hmm. they are wanting to forgive and heal around. It is 
strictly for you to have that your own inner shift because as you know forgiveness is for you that person that the resentment that you're feeling in your body or the anger or the sadness never touches that person so it's like you're you're forgiving them for you to release those negative emotions from your body and so um uh, I so that's one of the things I just basically say up front, like this has to be for you. You cannot do this work and because you're wanting it to make someone else do something. Right, right. And what yeah. they always say, well, forgiveness isn't for the other person, it's for you, but it's really hard to like experience. You can hear that, you know, all day, mm-hmm. but like the actual physical, I'm sure the physical release that happens when a person does enter into that state of healing or healedness uh, is, is palpable, physical difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think you can fap. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I don't think that sometimes you can really fathom what I'm saying and like be, you don't your brain makes you think that you need that other person to do something for you to reach that deal. I mean, that real deep place of forgiveness. And so you can hear me saying it, but it won't feel true in your body because you have so much pain there. But once you release that pain and you get to experience forgiveness because that pain isn't there, the pain is gone. So now there's a play, a place for the forgiveness to sit. <laughs> Mm, mm, that, mm, I that like that. Phase, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> you I like that. Full. You, you too full. Forgiveness has no place to sit. You're the table's full. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we got to clear, clear out the chairs, you know, so forgiveness has a place to, like, really sit and settle into your body. So you, you can't quite fathom it until you can experience it. It's, it's an experience. It's experiential. It's not something you can really comprehend with your mind until you feel it in your body. Right, right. People don't realize how much the body can tell you (laughs) about what you really have going on. But, um, I mean, I know you're an EFT practitioner as well, or tapping as some people know Mm -hmm. it, which is physically Mm -hmm. engaging parts of the body in order to uh, make patterns, break patterns, move energies, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the weight of our, the weight of our wounds is so much heavier than what we know, (laughs) You know, and to be enlightened, enlightened up of these things. Uh, And, you know, that's the thing about this human journey. It really is challenging to us on so many levels. You know, children don't know they're going to be faced with this sole transaction of abandonment and parenting responsibility and what that felt like, you know, so we're kind of caught unawares by the human, Mm -hmm. the soul knows, but the human doesn't, right? And so the Mm -hmm. wounding that can happen to us, we all experience to varying degrees, and the awareness that we're able to then come to, you know, kind of bodes well to our overall healthiness if we're able to do that. So it's just you've got so many things in your toolkit, as you said, that it's 
it's like the angle that you're approaching this healing conversation, it just could fill up so many conversations. When people yeah. work with you, are they coming for many, like several? Because, you know, in the psychic world, people say, oh, I'm going to get a reading, right? And so you go and you mm-hmm. sit and you sit with the reader and they may show you what the guides are saying or communicate to you from the other realms, give you a little tune-up. Or, you know, the the whole thing of readings is you're not necessarily trying to foster an ongoing dependency, uh, with that person versus in coaching and the therapeutic side of intuitive and psychic work really is like a longer term similar to regular therapy where you have to go several times in order to like really do the work. So are your clients are some with you for a few sessions and others for like longer term development is there a common type thing, or is it kind of all over the ballpark? Okay. So um, I, when I first started, I would do just like four or five forgiveness sessions, and we would just work on one issue, you know, whether it's a mother wound, father wound, or an ex or something, and we fully work to get through a place of forgiveness. But what I would find is, and what I noticed with myself, is let's say we did some father work, got to a good place, there was still the peace with that father wound, what it does to your self-esteem, what it does to your self-worth. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to be with my people longer so that they can heal on multiple levels. And so I I do still have where I work with people like in four sessions, but I typically work with people from four to seven months. And um, I'm a, just to give you an example of one lady, and I can I have permission to share this story. It's actually it's on my website and on my YouTube mm-hmm. channel, where she her friend recommended her to me because she had been to therapy throughout all throughout her life. She was in her 50s and just feeling suicidal, unhappy, unworthy. And when she came to me, she told me that uh, she was getting a divorce. And she was feeling like worthless, but it that isn't the first time she felt worthless. It's been there because she was molested by three of her uh, stepbrothers for mm. probably about four or five years. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I hadn't worked with anything like that, but spirit was like, you got this. And so it's like I knew in my soul So that goes Mm -hmm. back to being a healer, that I Mm -hmm. knew that I would be able to bring a certain type of healing to her that she wasn't able to get in therapy or psychotherapy. And, and of course, pills was never going to heal the wound of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. So um, we just started and we did a lot of inner child work and healing her inner child who actually felt dirty and worthless. And we did some anger work with the stepbrothers. And we, in four months, got to the place where she was able to reach the place of nothing wrong ever happened, how she was able to see that this is a part of her soul's journey and that her her mission is to minister and help other uh, women who have been through this type of abuse. So she was totally able to get through the worst thing that ever happened to her, and then mm-hmm. see purpose. And then a couple mm-hmm. months later, 
she even went to lunch with one of the stepbrothers and not to talk about what you did to me. It was just right. like that's processed and you're in town and let's go talk. And when mm. she was able to do that from a very powerful, empowered place, she knew she was really truly healed at that point. Mm-hmm. Radical forgiveness, uh, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um, Now, more so, I have been attracting more entrepreneurs, uh, female Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, um, and it just happened. It just looked up one day, and I'm like, wow, like out of nine clients, seven of them are entrepreneurs of some Mm -hmm. sort. And what they were coming for was to work through through shame, because shame was saying, you know, who are you to help people, and you can't Mm. make Facebook Live videos, and they would find themselves (laughs) in this place of um, maybe showing up for a little bit and then going back into hiding and being very hard and critical on themselves. Um, What They have trouble with charging and receiving, and you know that, like, for us sensitive souls, and that's typically who Mm. I tend to attract, they may – think that they're more in their masculine energy, but their soul brings them to me so I can help them (laughs) um, unlock their feminine energy and their gifts and begin to trust themselves in a way that they hadn't because they'd leaned so, they were so dependent on their mind. Mm. And so I'm able to help them drop. (laughs) You're talking to me. You're talking to me personally. Yeah, it's some really powerful work. You know, like that's how I got started with the Beautiful Happy Goddess is in in 2018, I just kept hearing the word goddess, kept hearing it, and then I just opened up, and she just was telling me, have goddess circles, bring women together, help them feel safe in their emotions, and I had I wasn't leading in-person things, but I just listened and got me a meetup group and started having monthly goddess circles. And Mm -hmm. this is just the work that I do is helping women to feel safe in their feminine energy because so many of us have, it's been shut down. Like we were were made to feel like we're too sensitive if we um, are in our feelings. We learn to not trust ourselves, not listen to our intuition. So then they're experiencing the same patterns and things over and over again because they're not listening to themselves, not trusting themselves. So it's like now I'm just removing any emotional blocks and childhood traumas that are stopping them from sharing their gifts and talents with the world. Mm-hmm. That's so <laughs> I'm just giggling because I'm like, okay. I mean, being an entrepreneur is definitely a um, it, you can encounter wounds because when you know that you trust the idea, you trust the product that you you know that you are creating that's launched your business, and then to get out into the world, into the marketplace and begin to experience the matrix reaction to your baby. 
<laughs> right? It can be very mm-hmm. damaging to your esteem or your trust to say, well, I know what God showed me, right? Like God showed you people sitting on a couch in front of you, right? <laughs> but when you mm-hmm. hang your sign in your business and for a while then nobody's sitting on your couch, <laughs> you're like, but wait, I saw it. <laughs> I know it. I know what I'm doing. And then that client comes and it's like, oh, finally, right? But then through the ups and downs of all that you do as an entrepreneur where you're wearing all of the hats, not even beyond the hat that you're really good at, you have to become the master of all things when you're a solo business starting. And that in Mm -hmm. and of itself can lead people to feeling a failure, feeling shame because the euphoria of the launch has died down or people comment and say, oh, I thought you started a bit, you know, like it can be very uh, damaging for people who aren't prepared for the level of emotional resilience that needs to come. We all learn about financial resilience when you're starting a business, but nobody tells you about the emotional spiritual resilience that you may need uh, as part of that process of launching your dream. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who have experienced trauma, it can bring another level of like fear and shame because there's a part that needs to be protected. So, for instance, a lot of, with a lot of people with trauma experiences, just not feeling safe to be visible to show up, and that definitely happened to me. Like it would take four or five hours to make a video. When I would go to post, there would be so many hurtful thoughts in my head. And what it came down to is an incident that happened in high school where I was shamed and embarrassed and people, like, told my business, and it was humiliating. And so then that my inner teenager didn't feel safe showing up online. Like, I could do in-person stuff, but being online where I didn't know who was looking at me, who was seeing me, it felt dangerous. And Mm. so there was just a lot of um, turmoil because there's this part of me that's, like, committed and I'm doing this, but then there's the other part of me that's like, no, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. So there's that inner battle happening, and so that's another one of the things that I really help the um, entrepreneurs with is healing whatever trauma is stopping them from showing up, being visible, and feeling safe. It's honestly so much around safety Mm -hmm. um, that we don't realize. And then my mentor in Radical Forgiveness, he used to say that relationships aren't for what Cosmopolitan said they are. They're for healing. (laughs) They're for completing your childhood. And I think the same is true with your relationship with business. It definitely can can hold up a mirror for you to what needs to be healed in you. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I'm sitting over here. My seat is really hot. Okay, I'm just <laughs> like okay. Like go to the website, signs up for a session. Right, that's like the poor conversation. But but uh, you know, it's always so resonant because of why we attract 
people for conversations. And of course, the purpose of this, even though I'm having these conversations in order to shine a light and make it more accessible to others, it's a conversation between me and you first. (laughs) So I don't skip that part of the transaction either. Uh, You know, so I'm just like, wow, all this, uh, I've got all kinds of little bookmarks and notes (laughs) ready for after the show is over. (laughs) So, but Beautiful, happy goddess, you've been in business how many years now? Mm, I would say, <laughs> okay, 20, I started saying I was a uh, coach and certified probably 2016, 2017, but I don't really think I got serious, serious and committed until about 2018, and then 2020, oh, so one thing I didn't say is it all came full circle to where, you know, my, the author of Radical Forgiveness, who he'll, um, who is here to uh, raise the consciousness through forgiveness, I got mm-hmm. to meet him, mm-hmm. and then he asked me to be a part of his team. <laughs> so then okay. I worked for him <laughs> at the Institute of Radical Forgiveness for three years. So my soul was right. It knew I was on yeah, the team with him. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> Well, the reader was yes. right in your circle who said that you knew yeah, they saw you doing it. That's amazing. Absolutely. Like, yeah, literally, like, not just reading the book and doing it. Like, you went to do it. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm like, who gets to meet and work with the author to do the work that, like, the book changed their life? Like, that just doesn't happen to people. So, like, I know that I'm on that mission with him to help people heal, um, and so for a few years, I was I was hiding behind him because of still like my, my own shame and trauma and not really ready to put myself out there. And mm-hmm. then he started to, you know, push, push me out there. And I, I felt, again, safe with being in person. And I would do um, forgiveness classes, like 10-week, six-week forgiveness classes at a metaphysical bookstore in Atlanta. And then mm-hmm. 20... 20 was my first year where I said, I'm not working any other jobs or side jobs. Like, I am going to build my online business. And so Mm -hmm. 2020 was the year that I just stayed committed to building my own thing, not working for anyone else. And so, um, yeah, so that has been amazing to just be in my own energy, work for myself, see clients in the way that I want to see them over the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Funny how that lined up with the just in time for the 2020 transition, right? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, wow, so you good. couldn't plan it better if you tried, right? Somebody had a plan. Right? <laughs> yeah, because you, you know, you don't know, but I was working in hospitals, um, like, on the side of my healing work, and I chose to leave a project that I was on to focus on my business. So I'm glad that I made that decision for myself before the project was canceled, you know, back when COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, was – so I'm very grateful that I made that empowered decision to step away and do my own thing before I was actually forced to. So it was going to happen regardless mm-hmm, of 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Radical change, right? <laughs> so, yeah. 
Now, in your client work, are you working with any masculines? Um, I, I have. So I don't want to say that I don't because I actually worked with one of my client's husbands. We had finished, me and her, and she's like, my husband wants to work with you. Um, mm-hmm. And we worked together for three months a couple months ago, and it was actually delightful because he was so open with his feelings and emotions. Because one of my things, one of the reasons I'm not as comfortable working with men is because I don't like to pull things out of people. Mm-hmm. I want I want you to just be open and to share and to be able to let things pour out. And he, on our consultation, you know, basically committed to not holding back and to being fully present and to dive into his emotions. And so I took him on, and he definitely did that, and it made our work potent, powerful, and beautiful. So if a mm-hmm. if a if a you know more masculine energy felt the desire to work with me, I would definitely be open to a conversation. But mm-hmm. it's just, it is it's easier for me to work with women because a lot of my work is so emotional, and mm-hmm. because I am a woman and I've I've like been on the journey that I help women through. It's easier for me to speak to them, but I'm definitely not opposed to it. It's just easier for me to speak to them and understand them. So that's what I gear my marketing towards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I am seeing that uh, um, even in my own clients that there's an uptick of like awakened masculine energy that is seeking to look at their own abandonment wounds. Um, mm-hmm. and also uh, connections of emotion that, ha- you know, like wanting to really understand more about their emotions and seeking psychic guidance for it, which at one point in time mm-hmm. this was really very firmly a feminine kind of area of, and still is predominantly, I think, an area where women are seeking spirit, but I think men are doing it in a different way. It just doesn't look like what we do it, you know. So our business models, like you said, are geared towards what we know. The men are doing and having conversations about emotions differently than they were 20 years ago for sure. And I think there's a conscious parenting that's happening that is raising generations of children to be more emotionally validated and heard than what we might have experienced coming up as well. Yeah, so my 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 boyfriend, um, I refer to him as my partner, um, something else amazing that came from me doing my healing work is entering in a healthy, beautiful relationship for the first time. It's been seven years now, but mm-hmm. that also was a result of the work. But he, I asked one of my life coach friends who only worked with women, she worked with women in past, and I said, I just have this feeling that you would be perfect for my partner. I think culture would be good for him. Would you be open to it? And I had to, you know, talk to both of them, but he agreed, she agreed, and they had a call. And it was so powerful for her to help him that she's decided to open up her coaching to men. <laughs> All right. So that's great. Yeah, so there, 
there I do feel like there is this shift where men are ready to dive in and release the things that are holding them back and like getting out of the ego and trusting their intuition and guidance more. And it's really beautiful to see it happening in my own household. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Living it and being it, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've got a, a comment in the chat room that says, OMG, this show is amazing. Thank you for sharing <laughs> your beautiful journey. And then absolutely beautiful metamorphosis is a comment. And also on Facebook, the stinks have been plenty. Your story is so powerful. Bravo. So Thank we've got you. people tuned in this <laughs> evening who are definitely, uh, you know, resonating with what you're sharing. It makes me, I don't think I've stopped smiling, honestly, since the start <laughs> of the interview. I've been just cheesing here because I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, it, it stops to me. Uh, so, and of course, I'm feeling it all over in my own life, very relatable conversation and uh, so for people who want to work with you, how can they find you? You can find me at EssenceTurner.com, and from there you can get to my YouTube channel and my Facebook and Instagram, which both of those are at BeautifulHappyGoddess. So mm-hmm. I would love if you would follow me and you can leave me a message about, you know, the interview yeah i would love to hear from you i'm going to put links to your real virtual real estate and connections in the uh, show notes for this podcast so that when it goes out hopefully that will be available through the podcast directories um also uh, on definitely on youtube in the notes to this show we'll have links to how everyone can get connected with you directly we'd like to make it easy for people one click and you're you're connected if possible um on your youtube <laughs> channel what kind of content are you sharing um, it's kind of, I would say all across the board, but it, it does, it has to do with healing, forgiveness, and now I'm starting to zero in more on the entrepreneurial journey, so I'm working on a series, a series called It's Safe to Be Seen, where I'm doing tapping mm-hmm. and helping with visibility. I, I, I Spirit told me that I'm going to have a channel that's like the premier place for entrepreneurs to go heal. So Mm. I am stepping up and stepping into that and creating content for entrepreneurs and really thinking about the things that stopped me on my journey and then creating content to help others work through those same issues. Mm hmm. I love that because it's like spirit. You're still, it, you know, it, it sounds like this is like a traditional thing, but it's really about your spiritual connection and insights and con- that reconnected God, you know, conversation that you're having that you're trusting now without as much 
of course, we all have moments, but like very strongly trusting in this, that they've shown you who you are to help and how you are to help it, and you're just doing it. So this is all, to me, the psychic journey of stepping into yourself and your unique gifts, which you absolutely were born with to do. <laughs> Ma'am, when you, uh, I just want to say for people, because, you know, on this journey, sometimes, like, we can have God wounds, and I'm still working through mine and developing what my relationship with God is, and it is a up and down, off and on <laughs> relationship, but I'm just committed, and I just want to say this to people, like, find your own relationship with divine, your divine. Let go mm-hmm. what you've been taught and just really go into your heart, go into your soul to create that connection to spirit because I I could not be where I am if it was not for me always listening to that soft voice within, always feeling guided, like when I ask and these little things showing up. But if I wasn't trusting, then I would not be here. And it's, it's so I just would like to encourage people to, like, do that work of finding what your relationship is to the divine. You don't have to call it God. Like, what find, what name feels good to you and, and develop that relationship because it literally is everything. I just don't have anything else left to say. That's pretty much, you know, I mean, that's like, what else could you say, right? It's yours. It's your relationship. So don't abandon it. It's not abandon you. That's the thing that I heard you say as well is that, you know, our relationship with whatever you want to call it, it's, it's us. It's, it is consistent. You know, that higher connection is consistent. It's our using or not using or awareness of it, acceptance of it that, you know, is bear- the variable in the equation, if you will. <laughs> How, okay, I just got one of my crazy visions. It's literally like the sun being out, but you got on some dark shades and you go out and you're like, where's the sun? The sun ain't out today. <laughs> it's like, it's there. It's there. So it's like right. the, your connection, God, the divine, is there, but whatever lens you're looking out of, you just can't see it, but it's mm-hmm. there. So change your perspective, change the way you're looking at the relationship, heal whatever you need to heal between you and the divine, and you will be mm-hmm. able to feel that connection there, uh, connection again because it's ever-present. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm glad for that, I can say. You know, it's like uh, it could come in and out in my lens if I change it, but I'm glad that I always have the ability to change it and that there are people like yourself who are out here helping to change that, to turn the lens a different way and begin to see the pattern differently. Because a lot of us judge ourselves because we don't know how to get ourselves out of, like, we, we don't know how to shift our perspective. And so to trust another person enough to allow them to lead us into changing the frame, changing the lens from a skilled practitioner 
and somebody who is holding that compassionate space for you while they're helping you adjust your, uh, you know, your perspective is something that is a true, true blessing on the journey. Yes, yes, absolutely. It has been delightful talking with you, and I'm so grateful that uh, God saw fit to connect the dots between us through beautiful people and to pass this little insight into who you are to other people is my main goal of this. And I'm hoping this spark will light a fire in somebody's butt other than mine. Cause I sure have sitting on the same myself, uh, which is exciting because I see the applicability and the usefulness of how your gifts are manifesting in terms of health helping someone like me even on this journey. And so I know that all the people I'm going to tell about this show afterwards, like, you got to listen to this interview. It was great. I know that, uh, you know, it's going to resonate with a lot of other people as well. So uh, this has been a conversation with Essence Turner, a beautiful, happy goddess. And this is the Psychic Inside Show. And next week, my guest is going to be Amy Catherine, who is a medium, astrologer, mystic, healer. I don't know how many other uh, labels she has, but we'll be back for another insightful look at someone's journey discovering the woo-woo side of their reality and how they brought that woo-woo into the normal part of the magic as essence talks about like being magical in every moment and like really being in the beautiful bliss and excitement of that happy connection. This has been a beautiful conversation, Essence, and I thank you for your willingness to share in such a transparent way uh, and to allow us into your wounded story and your healing story and all of those vulnerable things, I really honor you for being in that space with us this evening. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity to share my story. I haven't stopped smiling either. I feel like I'm on cloud nine. So thank you so much. Beautiful. To all of you who have been listening this week, I absolutely wish for you that you have all of the blessings that you can possibly hold and that then that overflow of abundance will spill out and bless the world around you. The light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste.